And we pray together. Gracious Father, Lord of Lord, King of Kings, we invite you into this experience. God, we are thankful that we have much to be joyful for. Now, would you, Father, guide this time, allow us to continue in worship by celebrating your name, celebrating your word. Would you enlighten our hearts and our minds so that your gospel may transform us? It is in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. This is a story from uh, a man that wrote in, in, in a leadership journal called Bits and Pieces. A young American engineer was sent to Ireland by his company to work in a new electronics plant. It was a two-year assignment that he had accepted because it would enable him to earn enough money to marry his longtime girlfriend. She had a job near her home in Tennessee, and their plan was to pool their resources and put a down payment on a house when he returned. They corresponded often. But as the lonely weeks went by, she began to express doubts, doubts that he might be being true. He's been exposed to so many of those Irish lasses, lassies. (laughs) The young engineer wrote back, declaring with some passion that he was paying absolutely no attention to the local girls. I'm tempted, but I fight. And I keep Myself only for you. In the next mail, the engineer received a package. It contained a note from his girl and a harmonica. I'm sending this to you, she wrote, so you can learn to play it and have something to take your mind off of any girls. The engineer replied, thanks for the harmonica. I'm practicing on it every night and I'm thinking of you. At the end of his two-year stint, the engineer was transferred back to company headquarters. He took the first plane back to Tennessee to be reunited with his girl. Her whole family was there with her. And as he rushed off the plane, moving forward to embrace her, she held him at bay with her hand and said sternly, Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me see how well you play that harmonica. (laughs) Indeed, family, isn't isn't this how we are as people? We all want a sense of validation. We want to know that when you say you're going to do something, that you can back it up, that you have something to prove that your word is good. Today, family, as we celebrate Jesus Christ, the whole purpose of the resurrection is to validate That Jesus Christ is God over everything, authority over all. That's the whole reason of the resurrection. It's to let us see a new kingdom's going to be ushered in and that it comes under a new reign and a new authority. So would you turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. And we're going to chapter 28, which is the last chapter of that book. And if you need a Bible, please raise your hand and uh, one of our people will, will get a Bible to you. 
Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to start in verse 1. Matthew 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Allow me to set the scene a little bit, because anytime you hear the term angel, your senses should perk up. Okay, angel, that means something supernatural, something out of the ordinary is about to take place. Okay. I don't know how many of you guys hang out with angels on a regular. I don't. But if an angel was to show up, it would mean something serious. Well, there's a few different examples and a few different times that we see angels. Well, actually, a lot of times we see angels throughout the Bible. But I want to draw your attention to a few. One takes place where uh, Jesus is being tempted by Satan. And Satan says, hey, Jesus, why don't you jump? Why don't you jump? Your God will send a legion of angels to catch you and care for you. He quotes Psalms 91, saying that at at any time, a, a, a whole team of angels would be there to care for Jesus. Another time, we see an angel come before Mary to introduce her and let her know that that this king of kings is going to be coming forth. In the form of a baby. That, that, that this incarnation, God with us, is going to be coming to her. And an angel delivers that message. And so here, we see an angel step into time as a messenger. A messenger to Mary and Mary. But... Why does he have to tell them not to be afraid? Because they've now just entered into the presence of of one that is to reflect and represent God. And so he's shining, beaming, and there's a a fear that, that sets in. A fear that any of us would be able to identify with. We've experienced fear when the slightest thing steps out of our control, you know? You're driving in your car, snowy road, slip just a little bit. You can feel your heart jump, you know? Just just for an instance, when we feel out of control, we can still, we can feel, feel fear set in. In the presence of this angel, (laughs) you realize you're not in control. But it says that don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. So you may be asking, and you may not know fully the story, why did Jesus have to be crucified? Well, Jesus had to be crucified to inaugurate a new kingdom. 
but namely he had to be crucified for us. For me. I remember as a boy growing up on the east side of Cleveland, uh, I, I had a close, close friend, a dude that I loved dearly. But I also had kind of control over the pecking order. You know, the pecking order is like who's in charge of the neighborhood kind of. And so I got I'm, I'm in charge and I don't know what happened. Maybe one of my friends, maybe this this dude that I love dearly, maybe maybe he didn't give me the fruit snacks that I asked him for. You know, or, or, or maybe he caught that 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 game winning touchdown against my team. I don't know. All I know is I remember very vividly. Me on top of him. Now I'm placing my knee on his shoulder, my other knee on his other shoulder. He's wiggling, but he soon realizes, just as I realize, he's not moving. I've got him locked in. And then I look over my friend, and I hawk up the biggest loogie (laughs) and let it drop right on his nose. Did did, did I mention that I love this dude? Did I mention that this was a close friend of mine? You see, family, I can't remember a time when there wasn't a part of me that delighted in sin. Okay? And the Bible communicates the same. If I give you, I can give you a a myriad of examples. Okay? Let me me start with the, the first brother pair that we see in the Bible. Cain and Abel. One gets jealous of another's favor of God kills the brother let me give you another there's a father in the camp he has a son he said I love this son the most takes that son makes a beautiful a beautiful robe and garment adorns the son has the son feeling feeling like man I'm feeling some kind of way right now dad is loving me And so the brothers start to have jealousy. Not only does it lead to jealousy, the brothers say, let's kill him. Because he happened to have this dream that says we someday are going to serve him. The Bible saying this, that brothers rise up against another brother to kill him. And instead of killing him, somehow he makes it out and gets sold into slavery. Stick with that same family. Joseph has a brother named Reuben. And Reuben, just to show how much swag he has, how strong he is, he goes and sleeps with dad's, one of dad's wives. Now, I'm not condoning multiple wives, so just to make sure in the message, no men go out of here like, Pastor said I can have multiple wives. I'm not condoning that. All right? But what we do see are images and images of images of broken people and family that's just from the first book I haven't even left Genesis yet why because the Bible is clear that there's a broken system and the system starts within us within our hearts okay that we have a sin problem but if you pause for a second you can look because I I I talk to people who are uh, believers and I talk to non-believers. And, and, and some people wrestle with who Jesus was, that nature, those things, yes. But, but most people agree, whether you believe in Christ or not, that evil exists. 
You might not want to call it sin, but they agree that evil exists. So when I say a term like trafficking, unfortunately today, you got to say which one? You talking about drugs, pastor? You talking about people, pastor? You talking about trafficking goods, pastor? You talking about laundering money, pastor? Which, which trafficking are we talking about? When I say isms, you're like, man, which, you talking about racism or sexism? Classism, which, which one? I think you would agree that we have a sin problem. I think like you, like me, this past week, our hearts broke. When we cut on the TV or opened up our computers to an alert that three men enter into an airport overseas in Brussels and decide to take the lives of others. But one of the men wasn't successful. His bomb didn't work for some reason. And before we knew it, the whole country is searching after this man. Did you feel like me? Like, I hope he gets caught. I hope that they catch him. Yes, so he doesn't blow up someone else, but also so he has to pay for what he's done. You see, that's justice. That's an innate trait within people. That's a character of God, not vengeance. I'm not saying we need to go and give them some type of torture experience, but justice, a consequence for your harmful act, is an innate trait within human within man because we represent the image of God. And so there's an issue. God says, why did, why did Jesus have to be crucified? Because just as that person who tried to blow up an airport is going to have to receive a, a punishment for his actions, sin deserves a punishment. It deserves a response from God, and his response is death. But the beauty of the cross, the beauty of the cross is that Jesus says, I'm going to take the wrath that you should receive for your sins. Because you, like me, sin. So you might be tempted to say, oh, Leon, man, how could you do that to somebody? How could you take your friend and spit in his face? But see, the image that the Bible paints is that you are like me. And the line is going out the door of all of us, down the street, past Chrysler, through Gross Point, through the next state, wrapping around our world with people in line, ready to spit in the face of a Savior. And he says, yet while in our sin, yet while you were lined up, I died for you. I took that punishment that you were supposed to receive as a sinful individual. I took that. So Jesus was crucified to satisfy the wrath of God. But not just there. He was crucified to forgive you for the sin. So it's not as if we wronged him and he's still like, I'm watching to see if you're going to do that again. You know how we are. I forgive you. But I'm still going to remember it. (laughs) You did me wrong. I forgive you, but I'm just waiting for you to do it again because I know how you are. 
No. God looks at us and says, no, I, I see you as if you had never sinned. As if I'm, I'm going to separate this as far as the east is from the west from your character. As if you had never sinned. But then he changes our allegiance. We're no longer slaves to our sinful ways. So now through him, we are slaves to his righteous ways. And so I know somebody in here like, I don't feel righteous, pastor. I know. I know. But you're in the fight. See, before you didn't feel righteous and you didn't care. You were like, I ain't righteous. I'm not righteous. You know, like you was flaunting your non-righteous ways. But now you're like, man, I just did it again yesterday what I didn't want to do. But at least I didn't want to do it. You've grabbed my heart, Lord, and I, and I didn't want to do it. So he's changed our allegiance. But in changing our allegiance, he conquers death. You see, through Adam, sin entered the world. All right? Because Adam chose to, to go about things his old, own way instead of choosing God's way. And so the Bible says that through that sin, death entered. And so the fruit of that sin means that there is a time stamp on everybody. All right. When you when you go to cemeteries, almost always you'll see a person's name, maybe a little rose and then their birth date and the date that they died. You see that that those those parentheses is a is a reminder that Adam brought death into this world through sin. But see, for the believer, we can almost start with a new tombstone. All right. Our tombstone can say Leon, little bitty Rose. And then, OK, if I died at noon, started living fully in the presence with God at 1201. OK, that we, we, we got a new way to look at life. Life isn't within those two parentheses. We are beyond that because God says now I'm going to send my son to die on your behalf so that you can have life more abundantly and life eternal. That's what that's what it is. That's what it means to have to be in the presence to, to heaven is to fully be in the presence of God with no issues, no pain, no worries, no hurting, no anxieties, no depression, no crying out, out of hurt, crying out of joy only. That's what it means to be in heaven, to be fully in the presence of God. And lastly, well, I shouldn't say lastly, because next Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was crucified to reconcile us to the Father. You see, in our original state, you had Adam in the garden with, with God, and it was just a peace, a shalom. You know, the, the most peaceful time in my home is this, 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 this pales in comparison. But it's like after we get done with Sunday service, we go home. I put the kids down. My wife, we sit back, talk. We stop talking. And I got the game with a nice big hoagie on the table. <sighs> I'm just, I'm just telling you. Notice I said the kids sleep. You know, it's it's just this it's just this moment of ah, 
I can rest. My guard is down. No dirty diaper needs to be changed. No, no, nobody's calling on me. We just, there's just a, everything just happened to work. My stomach's going to get filled. My, my face is filled. It's just, I know it's worldly. I know it's worldly. But family, it's a glimpse into what shalom is. Shalom is a harmony of all things. And that's how things started in the garden. And Jesus died so that we would experience that shalom again, that peace, that harmony again. So what does he say? He says, I want you to experience that by reconciling you to the father who always had that as his desire as the heartbeat of the relationship with you. Sin messed it up. Not God's desire. God always wanted his people who bear his image to be in his presence and experience shalom. So Jesus died so that we could be reconciled to God. So you ask, why was he crucified? Man, those are, those are just a few points. But I got to say, Jesus was crucified, dot, dot, dot. Because there's a whole bunch of other points I could list as to why he was crucified. But we got to continue worshiping our risen Savior. So go to verse 6 with me. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Uh, See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. I read these 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 verses and I get a little I get a little frustrated. I've been spending my time this week uh, preparing and reading. And what is clear is that the book of Matthew is all building towards this moment. The whole book, we got 28 chapters building towards the moment of the cross. And the resurrection. Those two things are like a, a master link in a, in a chain that, that is going to bring forth change throughout all of humanity. And so I'm, I was a little frustrated because um, for this to be so big, I wanted like six chapters breaking it down. You know, like, like get in depth. You know, Matthew, let us know what's up. Let us know, you know, all the different components of the resurrection. But I, but I think Matthew wants us to enter into the tension. The tension that we sometimes want validation and will never be satisfied. So he gives us the one thing that trumps anything else. In essence, he says, I'm giving you guys that Jesus just conquered death and is living. Do I need to explain anything else? The phrase is simple. For he has risen as he said. 
for he is risen as he said. I've experienced this a little bit with my family sometime. And some of the parents in the room can experience it too. You'll be uh, in a conversation with your kids. And they, they're presenting some stuff. And you're like, okay, you said that about four times. I heard you. I heard you. Okay. I said, I'm not, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Then they got another, another round of reason. And they're like, okay, but what about this, dad? And then they keep, you know, coming from this angle. And then at one point you just say, no. Why, dad? Because I said so. Four little words. Because I said so. Yes. <laughs> you know, it, and, and that, that shuts down everything. You can't, you can't argue with that. So how, how can you argue with people seeing a tomb that's empty with them experiencing an angel and then the very one that they were coming to try to care for his body. They just saw him beaten. They just saw him bruised. They just saw him spit upon. They just saw the crown being crushed onto his head. Those thorns piercing his temple. They just saw all of this. And now they meet him on the road. I think Jesus is is. I love how his kingdom continues to just shatter all of our expectations. I mean, women weren't even viewed as really people of worth in this culture. No testimony was ever validated by women. So who does Jesus choose to be the first two witnesses of his resurrection? Two women. It's continuing to say, Man, my kingdom is different from that of the world. I choose to validate people and their worth because they're created in my image. Indeed, I have risen. And these women testify to it. But, but, but notice in, uh, in verse 7, how are the, how are the, Disciples referred, oh man, I gave it away. We're going to say, so basically, in verse 7, we see the disciples are referred to, and he says, then go quickly and tell his disciples. But in verse 10, how are those men referred to? Brothers, brothers. You see the shift in the relationship? Do you see the, the change? I'm, I'm no longer preparing you for a day when. I'm no longer trying to equip you for a mission. I'm no longer trying to help you believe and talk to you in parables and uh, do these miracles so that you'll believe I am who I say I am. I'm no, that, that's not happening anymore. There's no, there, the hierarchy that's set, and don't, don't, get it twisted he's still Jesus but the hierarchy that's set between one that's training you is now moved and he says brothers which is a term of of intimacy now with co-laborers now you are commissioned to do as I'm doing to usher in this new kingdom now as my brother 
we will bring forth transformation together. And so what is a transformation that, that, that God, through his resurrection, is empowering his people to be about? Why is he calling them brothers? What, is, what are they to do now? Co-laborers, co-laborers in what? Jump down to verse uh, 16 with me. We're still in chapter 28, verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I will be with you always to the end of the age. I find it interesting that verse 16 is plugged in there. He says, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, verse 17 is plugged in there. That that they came into the presence of Jesus. And some worshipped him. All right. Now, this is the second time that when a person sees this risen savior, their immediate response is worship. And I've had that happen to me. Two times in my life that I can remember very vividly. Where, where something that I entered into was like, I'm in another realm. I'm in another experience. I was at a conference that was down in Columbus, and it was a, a, a very well-known televangelist. And this dude, uh, they were having a worship practice. Now, I, I don't want to like lie on the numbers, but there probably was a choir of like, Five or six hundred people. And so when I walked in, I got there early. The choir was still practicing. And they 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 said something. The director said, OK, I want you all to hit a B sharp when you say hallelujah. OK, everybody getting ready. OK, so I walk in the door and they say, boom, hallelujah. And it was like. It was like the angels in heaven just like praised God. I mean, my body shook, my heart shook. I, I didn't know how to respond. I, I literally almost fell. It was like, whoa. Whoa. Like, I just entered into the presence of, 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 of the Lord. This, this was crazy. And, and family, I, I think... That when you do enter into, when you do have an experience with Christ that is that is real, that is like right where you are, you can't just cut on a TV. You can't just start texting somebody. Like the response is one of worship where you say, whoa. Either I'm recognizing what I need to praise you for because you are other, you are awesome, or I'm recognizing that my heart is sinful, I need to confess. I'm recognizing that I can't even come up with words to thank you. All I can do is say, I I don't know. But in this moment, I'm experiencing something that's different than my normal rhythm. 
And so they worshiped him. But notice, while this is the second time as people enter, experience Jesus, his resurrected self, notice, some people doubt it. Some people doubt it. And, and, and the term doubt here is not like just totally didn't believe. It's more of like we're really hesitant. Kind of like, let me see your hands, Jesus. Show me your feet. You sure? Did, did you just walk through that wall? You know, like, like it's, gonna have, it's like a hesitation of, of, man, this could be him, but I'm, but I'm not really sure. Which reminds us, family, that, that at some point your faith, your belief, ultimately is the thing that allows you to be rooted deeply in the resurrection. Because there can be people here that Jesus could come through that door right now and there will be some that will still say, wait a minute. You don't, you don't have the blue eyes or you don't have the olive skin or hair like lamb's wool. You got a perm. Wait a minute. You know, like, got that box that we want to fit Jesus into. Got to fit into my box. The Messiah's got to fit into this certain box. And so some doubt it. But notice, family, the Bible actually speaks, and it's not screaming loudly. It's actually screaming very subtly, but very definitively, that our faith hinges on the resurrection. Notice 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I, I didn't have the time to go through the whole thing. Phil, take time to read it. But it basically says this. It says in verse 14, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. That this fact, because <laughs> if, if we pause for a minute, there's been a lot of folks that claim to be Jesus. Even today, you've seen them sometime on your internet. Jesus cited in Florida. What? You know? So there were many people who said, I'm the Messiah. Cool. You can come follow me. Great. They may have experienced some, some beating. They may have had some torture. May have went through some tough stuff. None still like Christ, but still they may have endured some stuff. But there's only one. There's only one who conquered death on our behalf, validating every reason that he was to go to the cross. And what validated him going to the cross, dying for your sin, was his resurrection. See, everybody else might have died. <laughs> Nobody else is living today. At the right hand of the father in all authority. And so now, now he says, okay, I know that some doubted, some believed. But I didn't do this just for the sake of saving you. That's why, like, I love our songs that, like, make us wrestle with, like, Jesus and my personal sin. But then there's a communal aspect and there's a world aspect that he died for. He didn't just die for me. Okay. Now, his death 
shows and his life living after the cross shows that he has a mission for us. It's all to an end. Now, the mission is that the whole world would be able to experience and testify to the good news of who he is. If sin was paid for at the cross and it was validated with the life of Jesus living after conquering death, if it was validated through with the resurrection, why shouldn't more people be able to experience this? Why shouldn't the world get this? Not reserved just for the Jews, but going out to the Gentiles as well, that all men and women might be united within him. And so now he gives us a mission. And that mission is found based on him having all authority in heaven and on earth. He tells us that he wants us to go sharing the gospel. He wants us to be making disciples of just the nations we prefer. Wants us to make disciples of just the people that we know best. Make disciples of just the friends that have a similar background as we do. He wants us to make disciples of all nations. It's crazy because for a long time you can be a believer and you can read this text, the Great Commission, and not see that it's nestled within the, within the scenario of the resurrection. The Great Commission that all people would be changed flows out of our belief that we can do it because he has all authority. And what's the only thing that shows you have all authority? Living after you've been crucified. And so family, we're told in Hebrews 10, verse 31, that uh, it's a fearful, terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And I get that. We get that. That is scary to, to, to give your whole life over to this God who conquered death. Because there's some things in our life we want to hold on to, you know. I want to give you my whole life. But there's a there's a scenario that plays out that uh, that I think helps us understand this a little bit. And this is going to bring some of our cultures together, some of our our whites and blacks. And I know we have more cultures in here. Some of my Asian folk, I know we got more cultures, but uh, I'm going to stick with the, the, the biggest generality of white and black. There's this thing called a trust fall. Now, uh, to my white people, most black people don't know what a trust fall is. (laughs) And to my black people, white people do a trust fall on purpose. (laughs) Now, a a trust fall is when a person uh, gets with another person. They almost form like a soul train line. Two people on both on opposite ends. You let your arms out and you link arms, all right? Now your arms link together and that's going to be the mechanism that catches another person. So what you're doing is building a sense of oneness in the team. You're building some closeness. You're trying to show, hey, I believe in you. You believe in me? Okay. Now I'm going to depend on you. I'm going to trust that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. All right. 
So what will happen is one person will turn around, maybe put their arms on their chest, and they won't look at the group. The group is behind them in the soul train line with their arms like this, linked up. And what that person does is they cross the chest and they fall back into the arms of the people who catch them. And the whole goal is to let the person who fell, who, who fell back know, we got you. We said that we would catch you and you can trust in our word. Our word is valid. You see, family, the resurrection is, is an image. It's a, a clear picture of people who are, who are scared of people who wrestle with, should I give this God my whole life? Should I submit to him? Is he worth it? Is he the Messiah? Is he all these things that people have said? Will all these things be met at the cross that people claim? And Jesus is saying, fall, I'll catch you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to validate that I'll catch you by conquering death. I'm going to show you that you can trust me in all things by living after I experienced the cross. Family, he is worth your trust. He is worth our lives. And the resurrection validates that he is ushering in a new kingdom and that he's using us, giving us a new mission to be about sharing the beauty of who he is with the nations. Are you a part of it? Are you a part of that mission? If not, I let us at MacAv help you. Let us be a resource. We don't have to be the place that, that helps you be on mission. We can connect you with another place. Our main aim isn't that you do it here. Our main aim is that you be used by God for the reason why he died and was raised so that we could go forth and see the nations impacted. We want to see that happen in you. If that's here, we would love that. But if not, let us be a blessing to you and help you find the environment that's best for you. But not being used in this manner, there's no excuse for it. Family, will you pray with me? Jesus, you have died, conquered death that we might live. And now, Lord, because you did rise and you're seated at the right hand of God and all authority. Lord, we want to submit our lives to you. And we know that sometimes that's a struggle and it's hard, but we asking for your power to overtake us so that we may be able to submit our ways to yours. Lord, I pray for someone here who's, who's uh, rejecting who you are or wrestling with who you are. Would you meet them? Wrestling with, yeah, the, the points sound good, but I don't know if I can trust in that. Lord, may they find great peace in knowing that there's no one else you can trust in. Lord, you have risen just as you said you would. In Jesus' name we pray.